When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Hopefully, I am live now. Just waiting for. James and Calvin to come. Hello. Hello, are we there? Hi, Calvin. Can you hear me? I can hear you. James has joined, but I can't hear a word he said so far. So, excuse the uh, early technical issues. Fair, no one's in here anyway, so we can <laughs> suffer in silence. Um, no. How are you, Calvin? <laughs> yeah, steady away, steady away. Just being out on the bike. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Um, James seems to be having having some sort of issue. Um, so I guess we can just get going and then right. hopefully okay. he can get in. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm currently working at the moment and watching Serena against Sakari. So hopefully I'm not dragged away or anything during this yeah well, i'm gonna try and put it i'm just trying to put it on at the same time um <laughs> i forgot they were starting off so early actually yes well it's labor day in the u.s i think so there's oh gosh yeah um that's why the big matches are on in the day rather than at night james yeah, I, wondered himself. Why. I wondered why um felix and a uh, team was on i thought that'd be nice yeah yeah, it's just just because it's. I think everyone's kind of off today, so they yeah, have a big day. Um, oh dear, James. James seems to be having uh, serious issues here. What a shame. Um, Has he got his mic turned off? Mike, no, it's. 
I have no idea. He does, it's not even showing up that he's speaking. He says he can't hear us either, so. Strange. Okay, well, I'll I'll lead the way in his absence. Um, yeah. So, crack on. let's start with uh, the the minor incident last night, shall we? Um, yeah. That was a pretty remarkable moment as things go. It's not too often you get a default from a Grand Slam tournament, and it's certainly not often it happens to someone with the profile of Novak Djokovic. Um, no, were you definitely. watching live? What What were your kind of thoughts? Um, I got <laughs> in. So I got in. I was out, and I got in just as they were arguing. Um, so I missed the incident. Uh, and then I sort of, as I was putting the TV on, I was sort of looking at Twitter as well. And then I actually just saw the first tweet I saw was Anki Othervang had just put default question mark. Um, <laughs> and so I didn't know who they were talking about. So immediately my, my Amazon was loading up on TV um, and I checked to see who was, who was on court. And I, my first thought that it must have been, Karina Buster or one of the women because I just can't see any way that's Djokovic. I don't know why I thought that. Um, and then then my TV came on and I just saw Djokovic at the net arguing. Um, and I was like, oh, right, okay. Um, and then they just showed him smashing the ball into the, si- into the sort of side of the court, what he got the code violation for. So then I just assumed he must have got three code violations. Um, but no, <laughs> it was worse than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty pretty astonishing, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, I guess it was quite, obviously the incident itself surprising, but it, but it, it was kind of surreal how long it took to come to the decision, wasn't it, as well? I mean, they were, they were on yeah, court. I, I found that strange, and, and I, I don't know, maybe it's because sort of, I'm always suspicious of Djokovic, but... It was almost like even though he knew he was going to get defaulted and he didn't want to come across as trying to not get defaulted, it, it was, I just got the impression he was kind of hoping that they'd stumble upon a loophole somewhere that could, that could keep him in the tournament. Because um, otherwise I don't see why they were out there. Because They seemed to be having a 10-minute discussion where they were both in agreement that he would have to be disqualified. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was absolutely no other choice, was there? I mean, I, I, I know people with uh, crocodiles on, on their Twitter handles might be uh, questioning the decision today, but, you know, it, it, was, it was cut and dry, wasn't it? There's no, there's no two I, I ways about it. Any, I can't see if there's any debate about it. And also, I'm just bemused that, that people are even people saying they have sympathy with him. I, I don't have any sympathy with him at all. It's... He, he, he sort of like was was he did he was he trying to hit a ball at a line judge? No, obviously he wasn't. <laughs> but was he did, was he trying to did he on purpose hit a ball in frustration backwards, knowing that there were people in the vicinity of where he hit it? Absolutely, he did. And did he know that if he hits anybody, that he's going to get defaulted? Then yeah, doesn't even have to hit them in the throat. Can hit them anywhere on their body, and it's a default. So I, I don't see what the sympathy is. And on top of that, he's got previous in this as well. He's had, he's, he's in previous tournaments, we've been here with him before, famously, as we've seen on Twitter today, that we've, we've seen the, um, the video in the press conference where he's mocking a reporter 
for suggesting that this could happen. <laughs> and 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 he's also literally in the three or four minutes before that, he's had a code violation for whacking a ball. I don't think there's any sympathy for the man whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, it's funny that that press conference has been doing the rounds today because because that was one of my first press conferences as a um, right tennis reporter. Um, it was my t- my tournament debut was the 2016 ATP Finals, which of course was quite memorable in many ways because you had kind of Andy Murray winning the tournament to kind of claim year end number one. Um, and I, I remember that argument between it was a Neil McClemon from the Mirror. Um, and Novak very clearly and it is just so funny looking back at it because you, you're right you know that same year I think it was the French Open 2016 which he yeah she went on to win of course he threw a, a racket behind him and that that yeah. almost hit the line judge had the line judge not like moved out of the way and you know Djokovic was so so adamant and I, th- I think the line was oh it could have snowed in the O2 as well I mean it it, it is just so funny not necessarily how yeah. half funny, but just to kind of look back on these sort of comments. Yeah, and then it's just like the, the two arguments. The two arguments that I've seen for people saying that they have sympathy with him is that he was unlucky. He wasn't unlucky, right? If you keep doing something, then eventually that's going to happen. What was unlucky, which although it turned out to be much more dangerous, was was when Shapovalov hit the umpire. That was unlucky because the ball came, I hit the frame of his racket. And, and flew at the umpire. Now, the likelihood of that happening is is like one in 10,000 of that happening. And he's never did no previous in doing it before, and he's not done it since. Djokovic is renowned for smashing balls around the court. He does it all the time. And he did it in the same match. I don't see what's unlucky about it, that, that it's happened. He knew the line judge was there in the vicinity when he whacked the ball back. My 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 favourite theory of unluckiness actually is that um, had it been on any other courts or apart from the two main yeah. courts, there are no line <laughs> yeah. judges at all. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen that. That is sort of quite, you know, it's, it's a funny way to go <laughs> about. It. But also the other one is that then again, that like, well, this is further evidence they need to be banned. Yeah, but and then then there's. Um, the other one is that, well, he, he wasn't doing it, it, it didn't hit her that hard, or it wasn't with frustration. Now, the frustration one's a classic one. It's like they're saying he, he didn't hit it there in frustration. Well, are you sure? Because he's just had a set point. He just had a set point. Two set points, was it, he had? Was it two or one set point he had? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember now, Calvin. Right. <laughs> just had a set point. He's had a set point. Yeah, lost them. Um, smashed the ball into the sidelines in frustration, then slipped and hurt his shoulder, then got broke. So in, in a sort of seven-minute period, his opponent has gone from set point down to serving from this for the set. But he didn't hit the ball back there in frustration. Like, yeah, he did, definitely wouldn't have been frustrated at all those things happening. And, like, secondly, the sort of, well, it, it didn't have loads of force. Then, you know, what, how, we, how are we going? It's just a rule of the game. Like it's, a, it's a rule of the sport. Like you can't be going. It's like saying, I don't know. It's, it's like saying at football, if somebody's offside, well, they didn't mean to be offside. So if they didn't mean to be offside. So does it count if they're offside? It's a rule of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no question. I, I guess the the thing we need to, or we don't need to, but the thing that it lends itself to discuss now is given all of Novak's 
kind of ongoings behind the scene. You know, he's trying to position himself as this voice of tennis. What what do you think when he's not turning up um, to this post-match press conference? And I, I ask this question when you have the uh, knowledge that, you know, Denis Shapovalov, when he did this, a 17-year-old, a, a situation that was far worse, actually, I hasten to add, probably. Yeah. Um, he, he turned up, he fronted up to it, he kind of acknowledged his mistakes. And you've got the world number one who's trying to claim he's some great new voice of tennis, positioning himself as this new leader of a new body, and he won't turn up and front up about it. I mean, I just thought that was completely poor. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. No, I, I totally agree, and I think there's just a massive sense of entitlement about it as well, that he just, he just didn't feel like he needed to, be, to, to give a press conference didn't need feel a need to give a statement or anything. And, and even if, you know, and again, maybe I'm being overly critical. No, I don't think I am being overly critical of him. I'll change my mind on that. <laughs> when he says, um, even his, his statement was stuff about how, how he'll use it to better himself as a person. Like, do we really need that? Like, is there any need for that? Like, why can't he just apologize like a normal person? <laughs> and like, it's, it's just so, it's just nuts. And I don't, I, I don't understand what he thinks, why he thinks he's in the best position to put himself in this position that he's in um, to start with. And and now he's just decided that he's sort of, I don't know, the union leader of this thing that isn't union, um, <laughs> that represents tennis players or some tennis players. Well, I mean, it, it was kind of astonishing this week, actually, his comments around the Manorino stuff. I mean, he, he, he was basically saying he's calling New York politicians and trying to sort that. And, and, and the remarkable thing about that is like, okay, he's the world number one, but he, but he has no standing in the game now. Now he's not the player council president. No one has to deal with him in these matters. I mean, it, it was quite extraordinary to me that he suddenly thinks he's the one who should be solving these sort of issues with Manorino. Yeah, I think he sort of reminded me of like, you know, when you get these football transfers and you get these sort of third party intermediaries getting themselves involved. And I thought it was almost a bit like that. You know, that I, I don't, I, I'm sort of unaware of, you know, did Manorino's people ask him to get involved or, or did yes, he just so involve I, himself? And, and to be fair, yes, you are right. I mean, Manorino's coach did kind of say to him, can you help us with this? Um, but, you know, I, I I think if you're the the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, and you get a call from Novak Djokovic being like, you have to ignore these coronavirus protocols and let Adrian Manorino play, I think you'd just be like, get lost, mate. What are you talking about? What's it got to yeah. do with you? And I think that just sums up my frustrations with this whole bubble complaints and these whole, you know, claiming they're prisoners and stuff. I mean, they just have no idea what's going on in the wider world, do they? I I was certain I had symptoms. I isolated in my room for two weeks. That's what we've all been doing. What? Why are you suddenly a prisoner when this has happened to you? I, I just don't understand the mentality. And I think they're so lucky they were allowed to compete at all. I would I would have kicked them all out. Yeah, and as well, I mean, the players, I've spoken to a couple of players who were there and they've sort of, they've basically sort of, you know, they've had no complaints about it. They've said, you know, occasionally it can be a bit, it's a bit strange, but they've not been complaining this stuff about prisoners and that kind of thing. Um, I, you know, I think again, there's a bit of entitlement on some players that they're not, they're not able to do what they want to do all the time. Yeah. Well, it, it was absolutely remarkable. Um, and 
you know, I, I, it is quite funny because on, on the day I went out for lunch with my parents for their 30th wedding anniversary and I was complaining about this tournament and I was saying, it's just a bit flat, isn't it? There's just not much happening. I, I feel like I'm not really, I don't know. I know there's a bit about the bubble and stuff, but it didn't seem to be really captivating a kind of wider interest in it. Yeah, and of course, um, that um, night, suddenly you've got Djokovic, <laughs> the clear favourite, just whacking a ball at a line judge and it all all going to pot so i mean it's, it's funny how life happens like that um let's let's move on quickly yeah. from that um unless you have anything any further burning desire to criticize no, no, or anything. <laughs> no actually, i'm interested the one thing i'm interested to see is where, where it goes from here because there, there's you know do, does he get a ban or you, you know famous you know i've seen nick Kyrgios as as usual sort of creating a situation that there isn't one which which cracked me up when he was talking about how would uh how would um how would the how would things have responded if it was him who was doing it um but then again i don't really know what he was aiming that at because all that could have happened yesterday was that djokovic got disqualified which he did get disqualified yeah and also curios has never had any ban and he's never served a single day of a ban, so I don't know what he's talking about there. But I'm interested to see what because we haven't had that kind of incident before, have we? We've had the Shapovalov one, but that was a kind of complete freak. But we've not I, had. I'd be very surprised if he was banned. Yeah, I don't think they'll ban him. Um, but he's, what, what he's been fined today, ten thousand. Yeah, dollars. I mean, I think that this is what I'm talking about. Though there'll be more sort of talk that. The, the Kyrgios and Serena fans will probably come out saying, well, what, what would have happened if it was them sort of forgetting that neither of those got banned for anything anyway. Um, <laughs> but no, I don't think you'd get banned either. No. Okay, let's let's move on to, I was going to say happier topics, but it's actually not a happier topic. Um, British form at this Grand Slam. Singles, obviously, we're, we're doing okay in the doubles as ever, kind of showing up yeah. our singles break. Let's start off with Murray. Um, fair assessment to say good first round, or at least good to see him fighting back. Whether it should have been that hard in the first place, I suppose, is open to interpretation, but blown away in the second. What, what, what's your kind of thoughts on where he is, how he performed, and, and what yeah, the again, I, I think I kind of think we come out of it not knowing much that we didn't know before, and really that. We knew he was playing to a good level, or he could play to a good level, because we'd seen that day before against um, uh, the week before against Verif. Um What we still don't know is whether he can do that um, match after match. But I don't even think this situation the other day um, that that I'm not sure his hip would have changed that too much, because that's you know in any circumstance it's difficult to play a five day a five hour match. And then come out two days later and play someone like Felix. So it's kind of I think we, we still don't really know where he's at uh, with that. That's still my I, I still don't know where he's at with because there's still my doubts as to whether I know he can play any match against any player and play to a high level. There's no question about that. My questions still are: Can he do it um, seven matches over two weeks? Would he have beaten Felix in that form if he was fully fit? Um, again, I think there's still questions to be answered. Do you mean pre pre hip problems? I no, I, I mean fully fit now. So take out the five hour match of round one. Do Do you think he 
wins that match with Felix in that form? Or, I mean, I presume you think it would be a bit closer, perhaps. But, I mean, Felix was pretty unplayable, wasn't he? Yeah, I think I've still got some questions as well about Murray's movement. Um, he, he was one of the, the the best movers I've ever seen on a tennis court, um, both in terms of his natural sort of slickness around the court and his strength and power which he moved um i don't think it's i don't think we can expect that of him and i sort of think that he might maybe lost half a step in that regard he's also a 34 year old man now as well um so he's not going to be as fast as he was at 25 and i think if he can't chase if he can't chase and put balls in play against felix in that kind of form then anyone he's going to struggle yeah uh, um, I think you've stuck a year on in there, Carl. You're 33. 33. Poor, poor yeah, Andy. that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, he, he he was quite open and honest about it. And I, I think the quote I found quite interesting was him kind of saying he he's back to square one in terms of relearning how to play Grand Slams. And he's almost approaching it like he's a junior. And he, he kind of said that in his first round match as well, where he was talking about how he didn't want to kind of rush himself in the first couple of sets because he knew he yeah. needed to pace himself without the experience of five set matches. Um, and he was talking, you know, it, it is always kind of fascinating to hear how he himself is approaching everything. And it doesn't, and I suppose this goes back to your point about having so many questions. I mean, if this is the start of the road for Murray, what, what's the ceiling? I mean, he's talking about potentially winning grand slams again. I, I think you'd look at this tournament and you'd have to say, that seems a long way off. Um, do you think he can win a hard court Grand Slam or is Wimbledon the only one that you really think is a slither of a chance? And even then, it's a slither. And Wimbledon's pretty much a hard court slam anyway now, isn't it? The pace of the courts. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so, um, the, the interesting thing I thought, just sort of veering off topic on that, was that the, the thing I enjoyed most about his match, the first round match actually, was when he, after the first two sets, is that this sort of aggressive style that he took on and he was just pounding forehand winners. And I actually got a bit of a story about that from when he was, I think it's probably under 14s maybe or under 12s um, junior nationals. And he sort of made his way to the final, and I, I was sort of around the tournament. Um, and the lad who he played in the final uh, was letting it be known before the final that um, that Murray he didn't think Murray could break an egg, that he was just a chaser, and he just bunted the ball round. Um, and that pretty much is how he got to the final um, down at Bournemouth on the clay courts. Um, and sort of Murray, Andy had found out that this was what was getting said in the opponent's camp and he then pretty much came out in the final and I think he won it maybe one and love and he just blew the guy away just hitting winners almost just to rub it in that well this is how I play normally but I can play it this way if you want and I'll still beat you really easy um, and it just reminded me of that it's the first time I've seen him sort of play so aggressive against that type of player in some time yeah it's interesting isn't it I mean do you think, okay, you're saying he can play like that and, we, you know, whatever we say about Murray, he can play many different ways. He's a, a, oh, for sure. a very smart player. He's got all the weapons he can do, but he, he's he's played the way he has played for so long, presumably because he believes that's his best chance to, to win majors. I suppose the, the obvious question is, can he play in that aggressive fashion and win major titles or do you think 
the best players out there now looking at the kind I suppose Felix is a good example really I mean he's he's so physically brilliant in terms of getting around the court would he do yeah. to Murray what he'd do to him but actually send the ball back with more purchase I think you've got to take into account Murray's brain though Murray's mind as well that he'll, he'll fully functioning Murray will always put the ball in the most awkward places um, to hit that kind of thing. One of the things I noticed this tournament actually that I think he's, and again I think this probably is to do with the injuries that he's he's slicing a lot more on the defensive backhand. Um, he's always done it. I just think he's maybe doing it about twenty percent more than he would have done previously. He's he's not sticking the two hands on it so much when he's really drag wide. Why, why um, do you think he's doing that? I think it's probably a reach thing. And it, 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 you need to load the body a lot more if you're going to put two hands on it. I, think, I don't know. I'm I'm guessing here. I I, it, it, I definitely think he was doing it more in all of his matches over Cincinnati. Well, both last week and this week. Um, I think it's probably a sort of considered thing he's done just to take some stress off the body. Now, although he's got a great slice, he uses his slice well, he's got one of the best backhands, two-handed backhands of all time. And if he's using it less, it's going to make him a little bit less of a player. So just looking quickly ahead to where he's going next, says he's not playing Rome, but planning to play the French Open. How do you see that going, turning up for the first time on clay? I mean, has he played since 2017 on clay? I'm not not sure he has. Um, Um, No, I don't think he has, has he? So three years without playing on clay, what was the best we can hope for there? Are we talking um, again? Or? In terms of his body, Clay's a strange one because in terms of sort of the impact, it, it's it's a soft surface. It, it, it will sort of be good for him in that respect, but he's also going to, it puts a lot more stress in terms of the movement. You've got to break a lot harder because you're obviously, there's some top dress in there and changing direction is a lot tougher. Um, so I'm actually quite surprised he's going to play the Clay um, for that reason. So, which, But then that might indicate that he is really confident in his body and he doesn't think that's a problem. Um, and I think in terms of the clay, there's nobody who I would say in a one-off match, apart from Nadal and Djokovic, there's nobody who I would say they're definitely beating him on a clay court. Team? Um, team, he, maybe. I don't, he's got a pretty good record against team though, hasn't he? Probably not on clay. I, I can't remember beating yeah. on clay. But... Yeah, but... I think he found, yeah, you may be right in team there. Team's probably into that echelon now of, of players. He keeps making the final of the French, doesn't he? So um, he probably can say he's now the third best clay court player in the world, probably. He, he, he'll be thinking himself as number two, I suppose, after beating Novak a couple of times. But uh, I, I agree with you. I, th- I still think Novak, on his day, if he's ready, is probably the biggest challenge to Nadal on clay. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, let, let's leave Murray and just chat about the other Brits. I mean, it, it was pretty woeful, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, Conta and Evans have gone out to the world number 77s. Um, I know Mute's a talented guy compared to... Uh, not that Kerstair's not talented, but I mean, in terms of he's up and coming, perhaps. But I mean, that, that, these are matches we have to be winning, aren't they? I mean, players of Conta and Evans' quality? Um, yeah, I mean... I think in terms of Evans as much, the men's as so from sort of twenty to, I think from twenty to sort of ninety, there's so there's so little between them, um, and I think Dan played a bit, probably a bit under par, and Mute probably played 
a fair bit better than he normally does. Having watched him against, I've seen him a little bit around before, but having seen him against Felix, it was dreadful the round after, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, he was yeah. absolutely awful. So, I mean, there's matchups as well, uh, different matchups, but yeah, he was hitting some shots against Dan. I think that you thought yeah. if he's making those regularly, then he's a top fifteen in the world player. Yeah. Um, just some sort of outrageous shots, low percentage shots that were coming off. Um, and even just like had a bit of luck in terms of there's a one point with the smashers where he just sort of stuck a racket on it, landed back on the baseline. I think that was on a pretty big point, wasn't it? Um, towards the end, so you know, I, I think no, knowing Dan Evans, having seen him as, as much as I have, I think that it, it was like I said, I think he was just a little bit not quite there on those two days and, and still very nearly won as well. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's much to read into that. Um, and again, you know, Mute played really well. He's a good player. And um, Joe? Joe? I mean, that, that yeah, was Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't that impressed with it. Um, I thought, you, you know, the week before she played really well. In the, in the rounds before that, she played quite well, but yeah, it, it just never, she just didn't feel like she was ever going to get into it, did she? I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to labour the point too much. I know you can have a bad day and lose matches, but she, she, I think she should be looking at winning these tournaments at the minute. I, I don't, I don't see people out there that I'm thinking, wow, you're so far ahead of Joe Conter. And, and then she just, you know, she's a set and a break up on Kestea, who's 77 in the world at the age of 30 or 31 or whatever it is. Yeah. And you, you just have to be seeing that match through, don't you? I mean, I just, I just don't yeah, really... Way, yeah, I mean, I think this is a certain, definitely a thing in the women's match that no one is ever going to have as good a chance to win a slam as 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 it is now. Um, I mean, in the men's now as well, I suppose, after last yeah. night. But the women's from the start, there's there's not been any form at all, really, all year. So, and especially they've taken out some of the historically better players are not playing this one. That I think, yeah, as ninth seed, uh, Contour ought to have been looking at that and thinking she could have. She she ought to be thinking she could win it. And then I suppose the other Brits we we can briefly touch on it. Norrie again. I, I mean, Norrie played pretty well first two rounds. Great win over Schwartzman. Yeah, but then he he completely lost his way as well in the third round against Davidovich Fakina, who's now been smashed to pieces by Zverev. I mean. Yeah, it's a strange match. I watched all of that match, and you couldn't have seen how it how it happened happening. If you know what I mean, you'd think like what once he'd gone. What did he go? Did he go break up in the fourth? Yeah, it was Norris. a break up in the third, and then break he up in the won third, one more yeah. game. Yeah, that. break up in the third. Yeah, so from that break up in the third, you could have seen any sort of outcome transpiring other than what did actually happen. So you could have seen him sort of cruising, holding, and then winning the fourth, or you could see it being close and him winning a close one, or you could see Davidovich Fakina winning a close one. But from that stage, if you'd have said that that Norrie would only win one more game, it, it would have been by far the least likely yeah. outcome. And I don't. It was a strange one. I don't, I don't really know what happened. I don't know whether the heat got to him or what, but. It isn't something that you'd normally expect from from Cam because he, he's he's normally so such an intense player and he makes players play balls and you have to beat him normally. Yeah, it, it, it certainly surprised me as well. I, I, and to be fair to him, he was talking a bit about 
how he was dehydrated and struggling with vision stuff. But but he did also say, you know, these conditions were nothing different to what I'm used to and stuff. I, I suppose your body just on a given day can can let you down and stuff. But yeah, absolutely. Was um, I mean, I, th- I guess the sort of situation, you know, the difficulty for Cam is that um, he, does, he, he doesn't really have a weapon that can blow the opponents away. So he's got to be there all the time. He needs to be 100% on it all the time and he can't sort of hide behind a cannon of a serve although he does have a very decent serve but he can't sort of hide behind knowing he's going to have some guaranteed games he's a, he's a workhorse isn't he yeah okay let, let, let's move on from the Brits because they actually they, they depressed me a little bit <laughs> I mean one of the sort of things that I was wondering halfway through I don't they might say that they they pretty much, I guess, contour aside, they made pretty much or did better than their seeding positions um, overall. But um, we, you know, there was a lot of patting themselves on the back for the Battle of the Brits about how great it was, and you know, maybe some. I don't know. There might be a question to be asked: Was it as was it as brilliant in terms of preparation as they like to think it was? That's certainly one for them to ruminate on. Um, Let's a general kind of look back. I suppose who's been the biggest surprise for you so far? Um, Felix, isn't it? You know, I'm saying surprise. I actually saw him. I had a bit of a shocker on a tweak when when he was playing at Cincinnati. I watched him playing against Sangren, and I thought he was just the, the looking at him, his, his demeanor, and everything. I thought he's ready to take off. This is. I saw him um, at Junior Davis Cup. Um, I think three or four years ago, and he was phenomenal. He's the best athlete I've seen ever play tennis, maybe with the exception of Monfils. Um, and he was already sort of playing top 100 men's tennis level at that time, and he was phenomenal. But it hasn't quite happened for him. Um, and then when I watched him against Sangren, I thought, you know, it, it's happening now. It, it's his time. And then he, he uh, transpired to go and lose that match. Um, after I'd tweeted saying I thought he was ready for a big two weeks, um, but well, so he's been not in the end, I suppose. So well, I, I wouldn't say it's a surprise with him, um, but he's been, I guess, the the highlight of it, and and Shapovalov as well. I, I love Shapovalov. I think he's a great player. I think he's a great talent. I think he should be higher than what he is. Actually, um, I think he's closer to the finished product than what Felix is. Um, he just seems to have these lapses and doesn't deal with them. Although he started doing that better now, the match he played last night against Goffan would be one that he'd normally lose from a set down. Yes, I mean, I, I watched them. I, I, I totally agree with you. I love Shapovalov. He is probably my favourite player to watch. I, I have a one-handed backhand myself, so I, I love a good one-handed backhand. And yeah. I'm permanently in awe of how he's able to jump so high and strike that. Because when I do that, it goes into the back bend <laughs> every single time. Um, so, so, so I have a massive soft spot for him. But you're right. There were a lot of moments where things just don't quite go for him. And I think mentally he's had a big problem in the past. And I was watching him last night. I stayed up and watched the whole thing, actually. And he, there were so many service games where he'd go 30 love down and he'd hit yeah. on four big serves and just get it right. He just looks like he's so relaxed to me at the moment in big pressure moments. And I, I mean, it, I, I still find it hard to say necessarily he's going to win this tournament, but he's in the right side of the draw, isn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. I always think when I watch him, actually, that I'm not saying he's of the same level, but I always think he's kind of like a modern a modern day version of if McEnroe played now, I think he'd be something like Shapovalov. That's interesting. Um, just that he, he'd obviously, he came to the net a lot more than Shapovalov, but Shapovalov's got great volleys, got great hands around the net. Um, and I don't think you could do the sort of serve volleying that McEnroe did, but I think he'd play a sort of similar, very similar style. Um, to that, he's he's great to watch. Um, I thought when you, you know when he came through, was it two years ago at this tournament? He made his sort of big breakthrough. Three, it was three, three years ago. Yeah, I thought then he was gonna. He looked for a period then like he was gonna go all the way to the final. Yeah, um, you know who lost one, to that year? He lost to somebody who he shouldn't have. I know that. <laughs> who was it? He lost to Pablo Carreño Busta. And that's this, it, yeah, yeah. He's playing yeah. Pablo Carreño Busta in the quarterfinals. So. Yeah, well, that's the year that I think he was in that half, wasn't he, that when Nadal became yeah. the first player ever to win a slam without beating anyone inside the top 25 in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember looking at the draw, similar to, similar to his top half now, where you look at and think this, the bottom half is loaded and the top half's got this, there's some room for manoeuvre there. Yeah, it's certainly a great opportunity. I, I suppose that lends itself. Oh, before I move into that, I was just going to say my favourite player I watched this week, by the way, was Maxime Cressy. Had you come across him before? Um, I'd seen him. his name. I'd not actually watched him. I didn't watch him this week either. <laughs> well, he played Sissipas in the first round. and I was kind of finishing up work. I think it was the, the last match on Ash. And to be honest, there's not masses of interest in a sissy pass first rounder against a Frenchman, to be honest, in the UK. But I was watching the first set of that in absolute amazement. He's about six foot six, serves very big, you know, talking about one, one thirty one, one thirty five regularly kind of coming down, but he follows it in and he's in the, the net right. every single point. And it, it, you know, it's kind of like a Misha Zverev, but actually with a lot more athleticism. And it, it was a tremendous watch and a real kind of throwback. So, I, I just actually thought give him a shout out. Just saying that to James pointed out last week that City Pass just played Giants last week in Cincinnati. Yeah. Then when it got one first round this week, and then yeah, yeah. Actually, then actually went out to the opposite type of player who was just going to make a lot of balls. And I, I wondered when he'd lost that one. I thought, well, maybe James had a point last week. Yeah, <laughs> he had the wrong type of tune-up. Um, yeah. Okay, so so we, we who's left in the draw now? Who who's winning this title? I mean, I was thinking about it this week is that, you know, sort of who's winning it now. And I thought like, what well, the, the way I sort of went about it without, although this might come back to haunt me, was like going through the players who's not going to win it, who, who's not winning it. So like, if I get, I'm just going to get the draw back up here, um, if I can in a minute um, and see what players are left in it. I, I don't think Berrettini's winning it. Um, I was just saying, this, is, this is funny, this is how you kind of rate it, because I, I did a piece like rating them all as well, and this is exactly how I did it, and I gave about four people a one out of ten. Yeah, so I, was definitely one, Pablo Carreño Buster was definitely one. Yeah, don't, there's, there's players that I, I, I put them into three sections, like you know, sort of, definitely could, um, undecided and definitely not, so I don't think Carreño Buster's winning it. Yeah. Um, I am going through down the draw here. Um, I don't think Berrettini's winning it. I don't think Rublev's winning it. I don't think TFO's winning it. Yep. Uh, Pospisil's about to go out, I think. 
Yeah. Um, so they're the definite's not going to win it. Then in the sort of oh, I had I had Dimonor in that category as well. Actually, I got Dimonor in the second one just because he makes so many balls. He's, he's, gonna um, have, he's likely going to have to come for a few. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think. Yeah, uh, in between the two, I think. Um, <laughs> and then the, the winner. I think. I think whoever wins. I, I, I'm then going into sort of, I'm going to say who I think can win it. I, yeah. I don't know why I think this, but it's just got one of those feelings of one of those tournaments that Zverev goes and wins. Yeah. Could um, do. Like he's done in a few Master Series where he doesn't do much and then finds him. He's actually quite good in semis and finals, isn't he? He's, yeah, certainly at Masters level. And I, I think, you know, the, the thing I'd say about Zverev is that I think his next round is probably the one I'd be most worried for him for in many ways. He's got a bad record against Chorich. I think he's lost three and one. Although Shapovalov could cause him trouble. He could do. He could do. Yeah. But, but um, Shapovalov, I wouldn't necessarily trust to go through Karina Buster. No, that's true. It's a big disaster as well for him. Um, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think it will be, actually. But I, I don't want to get on the Dennis hype train until he's kind of really, really there, I suppose. But... You know, you, you have to think Zverev is looking at this tournament like, I'm in this final now, or, or I should be at least. And the fact he only has to beat one of Medvedev and team, it is a big advantage, yeah. isn't it, really? Compared he, to yeah. them have to go through each other and then... There's, there's Medvedev as well, and um, his record against Medvedev on hard courts is terrible, isn't it? Yeah. If he um, takes Medvedev out, that'd be, you know, Zverev, that's probably the best scenario for Zverev, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's it's weird because like, against any of the players, I don't make Zverev favourite. I don't make him favourite against Felix. I don't make him favourite against Team. I don't make him favourite against Medvedev. I'd give him fifty fifty against Shapovalov, but I just think it's. I've just got a feeling that he might end up winning the tournament. Yeah, I, well, I, I think you know, for me, it's a, it's one of him, Team, and Medvedev who's going to win it. Yeah, um, um, if I'm being honest, and I think like you, I've got Dennis and Felix and Charles I'd have Felix kind of below that. I'd have Felix as just below them, just because he's got the a record of winning. He, yeah. he wins stuff, and he's won stuff from such a young age. Um, he but won a challenger, tough, I think, when he was 16. But the toughest draw, I think that's fair to say. I mean, he's he's, he's literally yeah. got the team next. Then he would, you'd imagine, have to beat Medvedev, and then. Zverev, I mean, can you see yeah. him going all three of them? I mean, that's a tough ask. No, it's a tough ask, isn't it? Yeah, tough ask. Uh, Medvedev, since last year, though, Medvedev's been so up and down, hasn't he? It wouldn't surprise me if he goes out to Berrettini or Rublev. Yeah. Um, well, it, it would surprise me, to be honest, but I, mean, I suppose Rublev yeah. would give a better chance than Berrettini. I'd be amazed if Berrettini won it, to be perfectly honest. No, yeah, yeah. Berrettini's not winning the tournament, no. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the men's. That's the, the the women's is arguably even more bizarrely open in many ways. I mean, the, the I, half of that, on that. I'm still. I thought Osaka last week. I'm still. I've seen nothing to make me think other than perhaps the injury. Yeah, I've seen nothing to make me think that that's not going to happen. Jennifer Brady's playing pretty well in that top half. Yeah, I've actually not seen loads of her. I know Rosensky was pushing her a lot. Um, I've not seen loads of her, but. Osaka, like she kind of looks like she's she's up for it, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, I, again, I suppose it's a case of we've got Osaka, the clear favourite in the top half, and then the bottom half's a little more open. Ken, Kenin's going very quietly. 
um, Azarenka. Yeah. Serena's a setup on Sakari now. Um, hard to see someone like Corne or Pironka. I mean, if Pironkaville won it, that would be absolutely astonishing, having not played yeah, since 2017 Wimbledon. But yeah, you know, different, different from the men's actually. In that there's a lot of Grand Slam winners still in the draw, still in the yeah. winning draw. But a lot who've not won one for a while, I suppose. I, I know you've got Ken yeah. and Saka, but you know, Azarenka has been eight yeah. years, eight years, seven, seven years maybe. Yeah, and Serena now three years since she won one. Um, do you not see her going all the way, Serena? Do you think she's the um, one in the final for the soccer? No, I, I, don't, I don't think... It wouldn't surprise me if Serena doesn't win another one. Um, she's, she doesn't look like she can hold it together if she gets to the final. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think the emotions just get on top of her. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the, the no fans there might make a difference. But, um, I mean, she's winning this match here, but she, she lost to Sakari last week, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Um, yeah, so I'm not, it wouldn't surprise me if Sakari comes back and wins this. It, you get the feeling that, I think Serena's one of those, you get the feeling she's going to have to, one, as the tournament gets further on into the quarters, semis and finals, she's, she's going to have to win the match easy because if it gets close, I don't trust her to not go to pieces. If it, let, Let's just say for the sake of argument, Naomi Osaka goes out in that top half and Serena Williams is the other finalist against one of Jennifer Brady, Shelby Rogers, or Yulia Putintseva. <laughs> I mean, you know, in all seriousness, because Osaka's leg is clearly yeah. delicate. I mean, that, that isn't beyond the realms of possibility. Can you see any of them turning up on what would be the biggest day of their lives by a country mile and beating Serena Williams in that scenario? Um in normal circumstances, no, but I think this is a subject that we're going to go on to in a minute, isn't it? That yeah. as to whether this is actually a proper slam. <laughs> um, and in which case, that, that it, it does have a, be- a major sort of bearing that as they walk out there, there's going to be no fans there. And I, I, in that respect, it, it wouldn't surprise me. So let, let, let's go to that question then now. We've, we've pretty much gone through everything else we, we'd intended to, I suppose. So, yeah. you, I, I suspect you're about to argue that you don't think this is a real slam. I think it has an asterisk next to it in certain circumstances for certain players. I, th- I think I think if if you look at, if we just look at the men's side of things and, and it's sort of been sort of well discussed that the, the next generation of players haven't managed to win one. They can't take care of Djokovic, Federer and Nadal in the slams um, on a regular basis. They can't do it over five sets, this kind of thing. Um, the pressure gets to them. If I think it, for, for them, you're taking away a lot of the things that have been problems for them previously. Um, so if Djokovic had have gone through and won it, I wouldn't have been putting an asterisk next to it. I think it would have qualified as another slam because he doesn't have a problem beating Federer and Dal in slams. Um, and it, we know he doesn't suffer from pressure because he's won 17 of them. <laughs> but whoever ends up winning it now, I'm still not going to be convinced that they're a proper slam winner because those things have been taken out of it. They haven't had to beat the three, the big three, which they've struggled to do in the past. They haven't had to to cope with the pressure of a crowd, the night matches. I don't know, is it how many people the US Open seats like thirty thousand people? Yeah, twenty two, I think. Twenty two thousand people. Um 
they, they won't have had to deal with that when, when it's the biggest match they've ever played. They're going to come and play on an empty court against somebody who's in exactly the same position as they are. So, in that respect, I'm struggling. I'm, d- I'm not going to say it's not a slam. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to struggle to... I think it sort of positions itself somewhere between a Masters series and a normal slam. So, just to, just to push back on you there and play devil's advocate, I suppose, but, I mean... You know, there have been tournaments before where, you know, the big names have gone out pretty early, not so much at slam level, but we were talking about Nadal winning the 2018 USA. Yeah. Yeah. Or 2017, I think it was, when everyone everyone kind of dropped out. I mean, I know you, I I get your point about the pressure and stuff, but but, but big players have historically gone out in the past and. No, yeah, I think it's, it's everything. It's, I think it's I think it's everything combined. And when Nadal's done it, you know, he's 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 done it in the normal circumstances plenty of times to say, yeah, he's ready to. It's not a problem him doing it. We still won't know after this slam whether whether say for example if Zverev wins it or whoever wins it, we still don't won't know whether they can actually win a slam with Federer and Nadal fully fit, Murray fully fit with Rinka full stadium of cre- stadium full of crowds can actually if they can still win a slam under those circumstances the only sort of situation that is the same is they have to do it over five sets every match now but that's the only real sort of relevance that a slam has to this tournament i think at would, present on the men's would you, side would you be willing to give a bit of an exception to team and medvedev i mean they've both been to slam well, finals got five well no sets. so i was going to come to that i think if i was to say who i think i mean Whoever wins the tournament will deserve to win the tournament, but I'd quite like to see team do team win it because he has beaten them in slams. At least he's done that. Um, Medvedev has been to a final, although I don't think he's beaten any of the others in a slam, has he? No, he hasn't. I mean, he was no. awfully close against Rafa last year, of course. But yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, if anybody was to do, it, I, I kind of hope it's team because at least he has. He's beaten, he's beaten Djokovic once in a slam. He's beaten Rafa. I think he's beaten Djokovic twice, actually. He's beaten him a couple of times at the French, I think. Has he, right? Okay, yeah. He's beaten Rafa here last year. I don't think he's beaten Federer in a slam, but I think he's 3-0 up in his last three meetings with Federer anyway, isn't he? Yeah. So, at least, you know, at least I know from team, if I'm talking about sort of mentally, at least I know that he can do it. I, I won't know that any of the others can do it what, at the end of this. So let, let, let's say Zverev, for example, what, what, what would that do to your mentality winning a slam? Do you see that them kind of hardening in himself that he's like, right, I am Billy Big Balls and I'm the guy who's going to win everything now? Or do you think it adds a sense of vulnerability being like, I can only do this when you know, all these things have come together. Probably a bad example in Zverev there, because I think he's Billy Big Balls anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, he thinks that way anyway, but um, doesn't seem to have any problems with confidence about his, his own persona, does he? Um, but I still won't know. You'd, you know. It'd be a strange one that I still won't know when, say it comes to the French in a couple of weeks' time, that his second serve won't go to pieces yeah. um, when he plays Nadal or Djokovic or Murray again. Um, you know, you at Australian Open next year. I, I don't. He's, he's, he still might be serving eighteen double faults in a match, and we we still don't know that um, after this because I think he, he's not been throwing him in so much this time, has he? 
at this tournament. No, no. Uh, I mean, it is it's remarkable, really, because actually this happened in Australia as well at the ATP Cup. I mean, he couldn't find a serve for yeah. love nor money that tournament. And you're thinking, right, this guy's going to go out first couple of rounds, be an early shock. I kind of thought that about this tournament, you know, playing Kevin Anderson yeah. first round. Can't be affording to be double faulting a lot and losing your serve against a guy like that. And he, he does, to be fair to him, seems to have got himself together at the slams on serve, which is, I suppose, a good sign of him mentally he's, hardening. Perhaps. He's such a strange player, though, you know. He's sort of like, because at, at any one stage, in any one match, you can imagine him losing to anybody in the top 80 in the world. It wouldn't surprise you if he loses to them. But at the same time, he's legitimately the seventh best tennis player in the world. He's been the fourth best tennis player in the world. Been third, I think. Has he been third? Right, yeah. So, and you, you kind of forget that that because of his, he he's has these certain issues on his serve and on his forehand occasionally that both can look pretty bad. That he's obviously a phenomenal tennis player as well. We've had a couple of questions from Kenneth on this on this topic, and, okay. and these were points. To be fair, I, I kind of put to you guys about Serena winning a Slam this time. But he's asked, do you, do you feel the same about all the Australian Open titles when Chris and Martina didn't play or when Borg and Connors didn't play? Um, yeah, I think you've got to do, haven't you? It's, 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 a strange, uh, it's a strange one. But again, I'm talking specifically about, not about the numbers that the great players have racked up. I'm talking about, say, if, if it's a one-time thing or it's the first time that one of these players wins one. I still won't know whether they can win what I will call a proper slam. Um, after this, but yeah, it's a fair point he makes. You know, I think Margaret, because we discussed last time, Margaret Court's uh, record yeah. is, um, it's, it's got some questions to be asked about it, hasn't it? And then, obviously, you know, somebody was saying to me the other day that when Vitas Garolitis won his um, Slam, that imagine the enjoyment of knowing that you're in a major final and you've got to play John Lloyd. <laughs> um. No disrespect to John Lloyd, but it's not beyond Borg, John McEnroe or Jimmy Connors, is it? Well, funnily enough, I think they were saying on uh, Amazon Prime here earlier that the last time there'd been uh, no former champions at this stage left in the tournament, the course finals was 1997, and that was Rosetsky's run to the final. And he was talking about it earlier. Really? Saying that... You know, he. I think he had Sampras. I can't remember the other name of the player who was in his draw, but he had Sampras in his section and saw him go early and whatever. Was that um, the year that he lost? Did Sampras lose to Jaime Izaga that year, or was right, that? Yeah. It, it, I, I was five here, Calvin. So my, my <laughs> right, yeah. this, this I remember, watching that. My I remember watching that. For, um, he beat. I know he beat Bjorkman in the semi, didn't he? Um, and lost the Rafter in the final. Yeah. I suppose it's a similar point, isn't it? You know, that is kind of going back to my point before that you do get these situations. But I suppose the the further question to you then is if if this one isn't a real slam, what makes the French Open more of a real slam or this kind of next period? I mean, we don't know. Well, I mean, they're going to have to beat. They're going to, unless Nadal gets disqualified like Djokovic does. (laughs) My position would be different on it if Djokovic was kind of. It'd be changed more so if one of them had to beat Djokovic. Let me put it that way. But nobody has, um, and that's not their fault. But it's still kind of it's still there in my mind. Um, somebody's going to have to beat Nadal at the French, which is the the hardest thing in tennis. Um, 
And I think there's going to be, is, this, is there still plans to be fans there in France? Yeah, they've just kind of announced this today, actually. The, I think they're going to have 5,000 on Chatray or something. Okay. Well, then, you know, we're then down to the only difference, really, is you'll have less fans and Federer won't be there. But Federer's played once in the last six well, years anyway, I think, yeah. hasn't he? Ke- Ke- Kenneth, I think, makes my point on this as well. He said, I just don't think history tends to remember this. Are we, are we guilty of just living in this moment here and... You know, the reality is, in two years' time, no one's going to be like, say, Zverev win it. Um, no one's going to be like, Zverev isn't really a slam winner. It, you know it's, I mean? it's that one again. It's, <laughs> again, it, it's specifically for this group of players in the men's side that if they, if one of them then goes on and wins another slam, I'll be happy to go, you know, yeah, fair enough. But it's, if this ends up being the only one that they win, um, then I'm I'm just not buying it as a as a slam without an asterisk on it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, let's be honest. We, we, we must think team Medvedev and Zverev are going to win more than one slam. If, if it's one of those guys. Um, yeah. I'm more but convinced, yeah, when, when that, these guys I'm more convinced that Felix is. Yeah. Um, I think Felix will be the player that ends Djokovic's dominance. That's, um, that's, a, big, that's a big claim. No, I think, yeah, I think everything sort of, I'm, I'm I'm more sure of that than I've been about any of the other players. He doesn't have huge frailties in his game that I don't think are resolvable, and he has huge. He has a massive upside. Um, so I, I think I'm. If you ask me, out of all though, out of all the players who are left in, who will end up with the most slams? I think it'd be Felix. That's uh, so. So I, I guess what I'm going to say is, if Pablo Carreño Buster wins this slam, I probably agree with your theory. Yeah. <laughs> But if one, of the, if one of these young guys wins, I, I think I see most of them going on and winning one or two majors in the future. Yeah, if, 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 if they, you that. know, say, I don't know, say if, if one of them wins it and they then go on to, to win the French or win the Aussie on next year's Wimbledon or US, then I'll go, yeah, you know, fair enough. But there'll still be questions to be asked. Yeah. I, th- I think, and it, you know, it's like when Murray won his first slam and he'd lost what he'd lost six finals in a row, and quite people were questioning whether he could win a slam, which I always thought was a bit of a, a bit of an unfair one because he always lost to one of the top five players in the, of all time in all of the slam finals he'd lost, and he lost them close as well. Um, when he eventually won one, there was no questions to be asked of him then, whereas. I'm not sure that yeah, that can be said about whoever wins this. Okay. Well, that's, a, that's certainly uh, giving us food for thought. Um, I think we'd probably better wrap it up there. I, I know I've probably got to get back to work. Um, yeah. It, for those of you who joined a little late, obviously James had some technical difficulties and couldn't get in. Um, but we we have managed to drone on just the two of us for pretty much an hour, and I hope it wasn't too unbearable without his very slick presenting skills. <laughs> yeah, we've managed. We, we bluffed it, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> we've done the best we can, but it, I've had a lot of fun, Calvin. Um, so yeah, definitely. It's good, good to chat. Um, yeah, like I say, it's a shame James couldn't make it. Um, technical, <laughs> technical issues. Um, but I'm sure he'll be back involved next time.
let's hope so we'll, we'll try and resolve those issues with the uh i see howard's on the call so hopefully uh, I'll, I'll be sending him a uh, error report and hopefully we can sort james out yeah um, <clears throat> cool right well let's Thanks see who, so who uh, i mean quickly sort of who, who are you predicting then who's going to win it do you think i think medvedev on the men's and osaka on the women's they're my picks yeah um i will say uh team and osaka team and osaka okay not not, yeah. much, not much variation between us but yeah should be good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, we'll, we'll both look silly when it's Kareno, Buster, and Sakari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, good to chat. Speak to you Cheers, later. Calvin. Bye, you later. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.